Are you a mother, father, or you are involved in caring for children? If yes, then listen to Ask the Pediatricians every Thursday by 10 a.m. for insightful discussion on popular child health topics such as dangerous child health practices, immunization, infant feeding, developmental milestones, and so much more. You also get to ask questions on these topics and listen to answers to real-life child health issues by a pediatrician. Ask the Pediatricians Foundation is devoted to health education and information of parents and caregivers of children in the community to support you in raising healthy children. Don't miss Ask the Pediatricians with Dr. Bimi because it's informative, educative, and interactive. Ask the Pediatricians Hour, the program for caring parents. Hi everyone, uh, welcome to a fresh episode of Ask the Pediatrician. Um, name is Salah Boyde and it's my pleasure to welcome you all uh, to this special episode. Uh, before I start, I want to welcome everyone who is joining us, whether you're watching me uh, live on our Facebook groups or our Facebook page or Fresh Waves Radio Facebook page. You are warmly welcome to this new episode. And also, I want to welcome those who are watching on YouTube, uh, Ask the Pediatrician Foundation YouTube channel, ATP TV. Uh, welcome as well. I also want to especially welcome those who are listening to us on Fresh Waves Radio and those who are also listening to us on Ask Dr. Bimi uh, ATP podcast. I want to especially welcome you all for joining me this day and whatever time you are listening in the morning, afternoon, evening. I really just want to say thank you so much for joining us today uh, for this special, special podcast we are going to have today. And before I start, I just want to wish all the fathers Happy Father's Day in arrears. I know Sunday was Father's Day, and uh, we wish our fathers on ATP and all our platforms wish you Happy Father's Day. But for those who are listening to me and you've not had that greeting, I want to especially say Happy Father's Day to you. Incidentally, Sunday was also another special day because it's actually what we call the World Sickle Cell Day. It is the day that has been decided aside by the United Nations to commemorate, to create awareness about sickle cell disease. And this year, um, the theme is about shining the light on sickle cell disease. I we try to address a little bit of it on our ATP Live Monday program for those who watch us on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook on Monday. But I decided that it's also important that many people who will listen on Fresh Waves Radio and on the podcast also have uh, opportunity to learn about sickle cell disease. Because sickle cell disease is the most common inherited condition yes in africans especially in nigeria so it's a condition that we all need to know about because this is a very very 
important condition and it's the most common genetic condition we have for those of us living in Nigeria and in Africa. And so it's something that we really think we should uh, talk about again. We should create awareness about it. And so today I'm just going to be talking to us about sickle cell disease. And some of us know it also as sickle cell anemia. Some people talk about sicklers and all that. I'll try and also address the differences in terms of what those different definitions, what they mean. Okay, so before I start, I just want to remind you that this program has been brought to you by Axe the Foundation. We are committed to reducing preventable deaths of children. Uh, globally, especially in Nigeria. And we do that through our health education and information platform. And we also do free community medical outreaches to indigent children in communities that are underserved in Nigeria and Ghana. We welcome everyone to be partners with us. We have just concluded our 2022 Children's Day Community Medical Outreaches and a few states are there and I think uh is going to have their outreaches this weekend and so we've been to about 33 states now we've reached almost 20,000 children and we just been so such wonderful to be able to touch uh, children in their various communities all over Nigeria we want to appreciate those who supported us in terms of donations financially and those who our volunteers who actually uh, did the outreaches in these communities. Uh, thank you so much. And you are also welcome to be part of it. You're welcome to support us. We always do two major outreaches every year in May, June, and in October, which what we call the Independence Day outreaches. So thank you so much. And we welcome partners, donors, volunteers uh, to help us continue to spread uh, the good news of what ATP stands for, which is reducing deaths of children that are largely preventable. And so talking about sickle cell anemia is actually something also important because sickle cell disease is also one of the things that can lead to premature deaths, actually, if it is not properly managed. So I'm just going to continue with the uh, condition. So what is sickle cell disease? I've already told us that it's an uh, inherited condition, and it's the most uh, prevalent, uh, the most common genetic disease in Africa and in Nigeria. And of course, um, when we talk about genetic condition, we mean something that you can get, you know, from your parents. And it's a serious condition that affects the red blood cells. And, you know, what normally happens with people that have sickle cell is that they have an abnormal hemoglobin. So the red blood cells is made up of the hemoglobin and the red cells. And this hemoglobin is what actually carries the oxygen in um, in the red blood cells. So the usual hemoglobin is what we're known as hemoglobin A. However, from for certain genetic reason, uh, for those who have sickle cell anemia or sickle cell disease, they have an abnormal hemoglobin, okay? So with this abnormal hemoglobin, under certain condition, we cause that red cells that are supposed to be round uh, to look like a sickle, to change a shape and look like sickle. And that is what we now refer to as sickle cell. And that is where uh, the name 
uh, sickle cell disease come from because the normal red blood cells are smooth and round and they can easily pass through the, you know, the blood vessels to carry oxygen to the different parts of the body. But for children or for individuals that have uh, the abnormal hemoglobin S, uh, under certain conditions, their own red blood cells changes shape and look like a sickle. And that is why we, we tend to call the condition sickle cell um, disease because when those red blood cells look sickle, they cannot easily flow through the blood vessels. And sometimes they also uh, kind of clump together and they are very stiff, they are sticky and they clump together. And so what happens is that they block the blood vessels and blood cannot easily flow. And this is actually what is responsible for the pain and sometimes the organ damage or infection that happens in those who have uh, sickle cell anemia or, or sickle cell disease. So when we talk about sickle cell anemia, we're talking about those who have two abnormal hemoglobin S, okay? Because a lot of people always miss up, oh, is it sickle cell disease, is it sickle cell anemia? For somebody to, to, be, to be said to have the sickle cell anemia, they must have two hemoglobin S's. So most of us who are our genes, we surely have two of them. So most people will have just a normal hemoglobin A, so they have two A, and that is A, hemoglobin AA. Some people have only one X and one uh, the normal hemoglobin A, so that is the AS. And so for those who are AS, we say they have the sickle cell traits. So they have the sickle cell traits and not the sickle cell disease or anemia itself. So that is sickle cell. So the normal hemoglobin is hemoglobin AA. If you have one normal hemoglobin and one abnormal S hemoglobin, then you have your AS in terms of your genotype. And those people, we, we will say you have sickle cell traits. Now, those who have two SS, we say they have sickle cell anemia. Now, there are people that have other kind of hemoglobin and that are also still abnormal, but one is S and one can be another hemoglobin. So for example, we have hemoglobin C. And so if you have S and the C, you have hemoglobin HC and it is still abnormal. So for those who say they have sickle cell disease, so sickle cell disease covers everything uh, that include any uh, condition where there's at least one hemoglobin S. So whether it's SC and all that, they are all under sickle cell disease. But those who have the two S, those are the people that we refer to as having hemoglobin uh, SS. And those are the people that we specifically say have uh, sickle cell anemia. Now it's a lifelong condition. So once you have this hemoglobin SS, this is what you're born with, unless you go through what we call a bone marrow transplants. Currently in under research, we have a called gene therapy, and those are the things that can change your hemoglobin. Otherwise, you tend to have hemoglobin as uh, once you have it, you have it uh, for life. Most people that have just the one single hemoglobin, the hemoglobin, uh, the, the sickle cell traits, they usually are fine. They usually don't have the disease or they don't have the pain, the crisis and all that. But they are important for us to know because they are the ones that can actually 
pass on that S gene to their own children. In other words, especially if you help marry somebody else who also have the, uh, the X gene, then it's possible for both of you, for the two X to come together and have, for you to have a child who have the hemoglobin SS, you know, the sickle cell anemia and 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 this chance of it happening is with every single pregnancy you have 25 percent chance because a lot of people always think uh if they have four children it means the only one of the children will have sickle cell anemia no that's not what that means what that means for those of us who still remember our biology and i think i have a picture and i'm trying to going to show you how it happens Okay, yes, you can see the picture here. So if you have a father who has the AS and a mother who is AS, um, every time they come together to uh, this conception between the father's seed, the sperm, and the mother's egg, uh, each time there's a 25% chance that that child is going to be AA, and there's also a equally 25% chance that that child is going to be SS. And of course, there's 50% chance that those they can have a child who has AS um, uh, traits uh, or sickle cell traits. Now, what this means is that each time is each pregnancy that is determined, it could be a 25% chance. So, and sometimes it's possible that each of those pregnancies may end up being the sickle cell um, anemia, in other words, the, the double S. And so it is so important. So I've seen families where all the children are actually SS, you know, there are two AS uh, parents, and each of the children uh, always end up with SS. So we have like three or four family of, of four children in the same family that have the SS. So it is not like one out of the four, you know, it is not like that. It is for each pregnancy that there's a chance that the baby is going to come out as SS. And I've seen families that all the children actually. Um, so it is so important for people who have the sickle cell traits, even though you don't get sick or have crisis, it is also important for you to know because you, you, you need to be aware. We'll talk about that much later in the program when we're talking about uh, prevention. And now, so what are the symptoms? What are the challenges that people will have uh, sickle cell Anemia. I, I will talk more about those who have the sickle cell disease itself or the sickle cell anemia because they are the ones that tend to have uh, a lot of difficulties. Those who have uh, sickle cell traits, they don't have any issues, but they can pass it on to their children. But those who have two abnormal hemoglobin, one of which is S, whether it's a two S or one S, one C, those are the people that have sickle cell disease. They can have a lot of uh, challenges and we're going to talk about challenges. And why do we even talk about sickle cell anemia? Because most of the time people with sickle cell disease always have low PCV or low hemoglobin level. And uh, you know, no, normally, uh, when we're talking about anemia, we're talking about shortage of red blood cells, okay? And I've already told you that this problem, when we come to sickle cell, it has to do with that hemoglobin S. And the hemoglobin is what is inside the red blood cells that carries the oxygen. And normally for the red blood cells, is lives about 120 days from the time it is manufactured in the bone marrow and it circulates. And after about 120 days, it's going to be broken down and it's, you know, new ones will be produced and all that. Now, in people that have sickle cell disease, they 
their red blood cell does not last that long. You know, they, they don't last up to 120 days. So they tend to be broken down faster. They, it, can, it can happen like between 10 to 20 days, um, they are already broken, they are already uh, destroyed. So which means that, you know, the body has to keep on producing a lot of red blood cells. And of course, it's not able to always keep up. And that is how why they always, you know, shut of blood. And you know why the red blood cell is easily broken? Because under certain conditions, dehydration, lack of oxygen, the red blood cell changes into the sickle shape, becomes sticky, becomes stiff. It cannot easily pass in through the red blood vessels. And that is why it's, it will be destroyed and removed by the body. So they are PCV is always low. And of course, most, most times they also have what we call jaundice because when you are breaking down red blood cells, the end product of red blood cells is bilirubin. And that is that yellow pigment that we tend to see sometimes in the eyes of those who have sickle cell anemia. Of course, I will still talk about the fact that it is not always like that for everybody. So you can see somebody who doesn't look pale, who doesn't look like they have jaundice, who could actually have the sickle cell uh, disease itself, despite not looking like it, because there's what we call uh, genotype and there's what we call phenotype. So genotype is the gene itself, but the way it manifests is what we call the phenotype, the way the person looks and the way we see it uh, as a, the, the, the effects of your genotype on how you look is your phenotype. So, so some people have some mild form of the disease and they are otherwise well. I've seen mothers who only discover they have sickle cell disease during pregnancy because we just recently always do genotype for everybody when they come to preg when they are pregnant and that is the first time they are knowing that they, are, they actually have sickle cell uh, gene and sickle cell disease they've never been sick they've never had crisis of their lives so we have one group of people like that that's one phenotype but you also have people that are sick every day you know they're always in and out of hospital pain crisis uh always shot of blood their faces you know their eyes always look yellow so if everybody even without uh, doing a blood test on them minute they see them they will suspect that this person may have a sickle cell uh disease so it's a wide spectrum and so it's important for us to clarify that so it varies the symptoms vary from people to people and people some people have very very severe symptoms while some people may even have no uh, symptoms at all. Uh, just to start by saying that when babies are born, most of the time they don't have any symptom of sickle cell anemia. So they are born, they are fine. And so you may not know that they have any symptoms. And sometimes it may take up to like around the age of four to six months before we begin to see the first sign of symptom in babies. And uh, the symptoms will sign because when babies are born, when babies are in the womb, they have a different type of hemoglobin, we call hemoglobin F. And that hemoglobin health sometimes is still persistent uh, for the first few months of life and even may persist longer in some children. And so that hemoglobin health is protective, so they will not show signs of the XS uh, hemoglobin until when the hemoglobin health is cleared off and then 
what the baby now mostly have is the, hemoglo the hemoglobin SS, which is the adult hemoglobin or the hemoglobin A for those who have normal hemoglobin. And then that is when most people who have sickle cell anemia will now begin to actually uh, show the signs. And already I've talked about the sign. The first one is the anemia. The PCB is always low. Most of the time it's always lower than 20%, 21%, you know, like that. Those occasionally you can have some people that have normal PCB, but majority of those with sickle cell disease always have a low uh, PCV because I already told you that their red blood cells are being destroyed very, very fast because of the way uh, the sickle, when it's changing to sickle shape and it doesn't last that 120 days, that average lifespan of red blood cells, it tends to last maybe less 20 days. So because of that, their blood are always slow. And also because when red blood cells are broken, that it forms yellow, the bilirubin pigments, and that is what causes that yellowish, greenish discoloration of the eyes. Now, one of the uh, now, apart from that, pallor and the jaundice, the, another thing that is very common for those who have sickle cell, actually the sickle cell anemia, is crisis, and they have different kind of crisis. But the most common one, which most of us know, is what we call pain crisis, and people tend to also call it uh, bone pain crisis. But they tend, but it can actually occur in other parts of the body beyond the bones. So they tend to have pain crisis. And what normally happens during pain crisis is like the red blood cells have sickled a lot and they've blocked the blood vessels and there's no blood flow to that particular part of the body. And so the person is having what we call ischemia and then they have a lot of pain and it's very, very, I mean, if you have seen it, somebody who is having pain crisis, it's very, very distressing for them. And so they can have this pain for long and they can have it in their bones. They can have it in their chest, what we call acute chest syndrome. They can have it in their tummy. They can have it in their joints. And, you know, and after a while, some of the organs as well, when there's no blood flow to them, there's what we call organ damage. And so there's all this, even the organ damage, <coughs> excuse me, going on as well can also cause uh, pain for people with sickle cell anemia. And this is what most people are very, very uh, familiar with when they are having the pain crisis. And sometimes the pain is acute pain, and sometimes it's, it's, it can be mild to severe. Sometimes it's a chronic pain that go on for weeks and months. And this is one of the uh, most distressing part. And it's mentally draining for those who have uh, sickle cell anemia. Um, some people can have crisis maybe once in a year, but there are people that also have crisis every month. There are people that have crisis quite frequently. And so, and there are reasons why this crisis can, you know, can be frequent. For example, when they are dehydrated or when they have all the illnesses like malaria and all that, it tends to trigger health uh, crisis. Also, when they have infections, and these are things that can uh, trigger off crisis. So, usually for sickle cell, uh, we try what we normally do as part of management is to try and reduce things that will trigger off crisis. So, we want them to drink lots of water. We want them to take folic acid so that their red blood cells are at least more are being produced. We want them to avoid uh, infection, malaria, things that, those are things that can always trigger crisis in them. So we want them to avoid. Apart from those crises, so virtually all the organs in the body, because virtually all of our organs, every organ in blood. So there's blood flow after happens to every organ. And so you can imagine that 
if at any point in these organs, the, the sickle, the red blood cells turn into sickle, they clump together and they block the red blood cells, they can cause damage to all those organs. So they can cause damage. Um, and sometimes the way we see it is the way it manifests. For example, for the babies, they can have what we call swelling of the, of the, the, the back of their hands, what we call daxillitis. Sometimes it can damage the spleen and you know, you sometimes the spleen is big. Sometimes the spleen can actually trap in uh, a lot of blood as well because the blood cannot flow out, and then you know you can have a splenic crisis. So the infection, of course, you can have acute syndrome if it is happening in the lungs. Of course, people with sickle cell anemia, due to all this chronic illness going on, they they are always smaller for their age. They have delayed puberty. They can they can have stroke when that's uh, blocking of the red blood cells when it of the of the blood vessels when it happens in the brain it can cause stroke in, in, in and in fact for those who don't tend to have the anemia those who have normal red blood cells level they tend to have stroke the more and this stroke can happen again it can happen affecting one side of the body it can happen again affecting two sides of the body and you know it can be very, it's one of those uh, most frightening uh, kind of complications. It can, that same thing can happen in the eyes and it can go blind. Uh, they can also have a called priapism where they have sustained erection that is so painful uh, for the boys. And so again, it's all part of complications and it still all boils down to the blocking of the blood vessels by these sickle shaped red blood cells. They can also have it in the gallbladder. They can, they can also have got ulcers on the legs and this ulcer takes time to heal because most time you need oxygen, you need all those things to get healing done. But when there's the block of the red blood cell, the blood is not flowing, nothing is not getting to the area, then healing is kind of slowed down. So almost all, all the organs in the body can be affected and this can cause problem. And you can also have like, I was talking about the spleen, can we got sequestration crisis. That is when uh, the, the, the blood kind of got pulled into the spleen and it gets big and, and it can cause a lot of problem because then the person's blood in the rest of the body is so low and they need to be uh, treated. Also, people with sickle cell anemia are prone to infections, um, and especially there are certain kind of organisms that it cannot easily handle well. And you know, we, so because of that, we need to give them like immunization against those particular. Uh, uh, diseases like pneumococcus bacteria is something that they cannot easily handle because it's, we, we use medical diagnosis, encapsulated organism and all those kind of, but just what you need to know is that there are certain organisms that those who have sickle cell anemia struggle to be able to handle. So these are some of the issues that those who have uh, sickle cell anemia can have. So it is a, it's a lifelong condition, it's an inherited condition, it affects virtually all the organs in the body, they are prone to pain, crisis, prone to infections. And so it, it is, and of course, by pressure of that, the lifespan of those who have sickle cell anemia 
tends to be short. But thank God because science is always working and there are lots of researches going on. And we are actually looking forward very soon to finding the permanent cure. Right now, we don't have a cure because for a genetic condition, the solution is to go and correct the abnormal, what is wrong in the gene, to go and correct it. And now we're in the era of gene therapy where we're looking forward to getting um, um, getting to the to the abnormality in the gene itself and correcting it and seeing whether uh, then the hemoglobin itself will correct. Okay, so now let's talk about how do we diagnose sickle cell anemia? Okay, so of course, uh, in some places like in UK, they actually can screen babies. Meaning they are born, they do sickle cell screening, hemoglobinopathy screen, and so they will be able to pick up those who likely have the gene. Uh, but we don't really have that yet in Nigeria in Africa. So we don't do screening. So we usually wait for symptoms. And But we are also beginning to be able to do uh, the hemoglobin genotype right from birth. Before, many people cannot, we cannot do it easily in newborn babies, but there are now new methods that even for newborn babies, they can actually have the hemoglobin genotype turn and as early as possible and we can know. But most time people tend to do, for using the routine, what we call electrophoresis method, we tend to do it around the age of six months. So that is when, like I was telling you about the hemoglobin health. So there's the hemoglobin health the babies have when they were in the mother's womb. And that hemoglobin health kind of have to go so that it's, um, it could be easier for us to see the hemoglobin S. So, so people that don't have the method to separate the hemoglobin F from the hemoglobin S, it's difficult to do the general type test early but from about six months yes you can use the usual normal test and you're able to say yes this child has hemoglobin s and all that and a word of caution while we're talking about that because we do see a lot of complaints in nigeria about people saying oh i am aa and how did i end up with uh, ss baby and people are worried whether it's going to cause family problem, whether the mother has gone to do something. No, let me just start to say that we don't do uh, uh, the genotype is not a paternity test, okay? So, and there are lots of labs that are not uh, uh, very efficient, let me put it that way, or in doing so. So, a lot of people are carrying around fake results of the hemoglobin genotype. So, I always recommend that if you are confused, you should better go. So, we've had instances that people will say, oh, I mean, some of my patients, they will say, no, no, I'm AA, I, I can never. So, like, for example, the baby has come to us, we have seen the symptoms, we've seen the dactylitis, the child is in pain crisis. So, we think this child could likely have uh, sickle cell disease, and we go ahead and do the genotype, and lo and behold, yes, the child is actually having sickle cell uh, disease or sickle cell anemia, um, but parents are like, no, no, it's not possible, <laughs> and because the father or the mother, they are so certain that one of them is AA, and so what I normally do is that I just send everybody again for their genotype test in a what we call a reference lab. Usually the government hospitals or the Sickle Cell Foundation, they have their own lab as well. Those are reference labs. These are labs that are really um, uh, they, they have very good standards for checking some of this. And so sometimes you may need to repeat your blood test in those reference laboratories so that you are sure. Uh, because if you just go and do it on the streets lab, some of them may have given you the wrong results. And unfortunately, some of these people have caused a lot of problem and heartache for parents. And so please uh, be careful. 
if you are AS and if you think you may be AS and they're telling you are here or whatever, if you are not sure, you may just want to go and do your test in a standard reference laboratories, preferably in any of the government teaching hospitals or sickle cell foundation. Yeah, in Nigeria, those are the places that I will recommend for you. Okay, so we can do the genotypes to confirm sickle cell. You know, even just looking at the child from the symptoms, I mean, clinical symptoms, we can begin to suspect. We've seen a child who is looking jaundice, a cis month who is having a swollen hands or quadactylitis, who is complaining of pain crisis. He has not fallen, there's no injury, and then the child is in pain or, you know, things like that. So we begin to suspect. But usually we can confirm it by doing the hemoglobin genotype test and we can always say it it is very very clear when we so it's a blood test it's a genotype test and we always know uh when we confirm it so when we've confirmed a child to have sickle cell uh disease it's a lifelong condition so just like any other chronic condition you really need to be, that child needs to be going for regular checkup with the doctors, with the pediatricians. So we have so many sickle cell clinics all over Nigeria, and we even have what sickle cell clubs, like parents supporting each other for the children. So if you don't know where to find one, uh, most of general hospitals, most of the teaching hospitals will run sickle cell clinic, because like I told us, it is a very common condition. 25% of us in Nigeria, we have the sickle cell traits. So 25% of the population are the AS, you know, so you can imagine. And of course, 3% of the population have the SS, have the sickle cell anemia. So it's quite a very common thing. And a lot of people still don't know their genotype. And so we see a lot of intermarriages between AS and AS, and like I showed us in the picture earlier, let me just project it again. Uh, if two people who have AS or AS or an AS and an SS marry, it's likelihood they are going to have a child who have SS. So it's a condition that is still very, very common in our community. So it's so important for us to know that. And in fact, these days, the goal is that everybody, we should know our genotype. And, and I know some churches and some uh, places before you get married, they want you to do your genotype test. And sometimes the churches always say, oh, if you have done your genotype and your AS, we are not going to put it together, uh, marry it together. And a lot of people have issues with that. I remember having to come into that, but I, I think I'll take that part about on that when we talk about prevention of sickle cell. So, but let's talk about the treatment. So once we confirm the diagnosis, the child should be under regular follow-up. And I know some people say, my child is well, there's nothing wrong with my child. Why do I need to go to the hospital? Yes, there's nothing wrong, but we need to also make sure the child remains healthy and nothing gets wrong. And prevention is always the way forward. Okay, so like I already told you, there are certain things that those who have single cell anemia can do to make sure they remain healthy. Number one, they need to drink a lot of water. They need to drink a lot of water. Remember what is happening, what's most of it cause the crisis or trigger of crisis is dehydration. Because when there's dehydration, it is easy for those uh, sickle cells to change. Uh, the, 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 these, re, these restors have the, uh, this S gene. It's easy for them to change and become sickled and become 
safe and become clumped together. This is what's often into crisis. So we want them to drink at least three liters of water a day. And sometimes children, you have to remind them to drink because they don't always remember that. So you have to kind of program them into it so that they can drink a lot of lots of water. The second thing we want them to take is folic acid because they have to take folic acid every day for life. You know, yeah, it's every, it's a part of their lifestyle. The reason why they have to take a lot of folic acid every day is because uh, the red blood cells are being broken down so fast, you know, and a lot of it is have to be made again. And this rely that process rely a lot on folic acid. Folate is very important in the formation of new cells in the body, and it's really the red red blood cells. So we need the folic acid. So that is why those who have sickle cell anemia or sickle cell disease, they need to take their folic acid every day. Okay. Once a day, every day for life. All right. So that is the number one, number second thing to do. Number three, we want to prevent things that can also create crisis. So we want to prevent that. So things like malaria in our own environment, malaria is one of them. And so that is why for those who have sickle cell anemia, we want them to be on malaria prevention drugs or malaria prophylaxis as we call them and what we commonly use is paludrine okay so we want you to take paludrine once a day every day because you want to prevent malaria of course you also have to sleep on that night you know that so sometimes doing some of these basic things can prevent some of this crisis, okay? And also, if you go to the sickle cell clinic, they are also checking your PCV maybe every three months, every six months, just to make sure that, okay, it's not too low and all that. And for some children that are at risk of having what we call stroke, we also sometimes uh, do uh, some scans for them. And if we think that those children are at risk of stroke, there's, we also do what we call chronic blood transmission program uh, for such children. There are also certain drugs we give to certain level of children like hydroxyurea, that it is to prevent them from having stroke. So those are all the kind of treatment that we that starts to be taken at the level of the pediatrician, the hematologist, not at the level of the parent, but at the level of parents taking your folic acid, water, paludrine, is enough. Also, multivitamins. We want you to eat well. We want children with sickle cell to eat well. We want them, to, you know, to live their normal life, play with other children, and all that. So you don't need to be over unnecessarily overprotective of them. Like, oh, you don't want them to move out there. No, they can live every normal life, but we just need to make sure that we're taking all these uh, necessary precautions. And when they are sick, you just have to go to the hospital quickly because. Any illness can just trigger off a major crisis, can drop their blood level so low and that we have to transfuse them and all that, which we don't always want to do. So if they are sick, any little fever, quickly give paracetamol, quickly take them to the hospital. Uh, if they, you know, don't try and do... Um, self-medication and a lot of that for Nigerians we, we because hospital care is so expensive so sometimes we just like to ride it out and see whether it's something we can handle on our own but actually I would not recommend that for children who have sickle cell anemia or sickle cell disease I would recommend that immediately they are sick no matter how mild you should take them to the hospital when they are in pain crisis we recommend we give them generous analgesia because pain apart from the physical pain itself it is psychologically damaging and uh, when i've seen um when I was in medical school, my colleague used to have sickle cell crisis and when she's having crisis oh my goodness it's 
she will <laughs> she will say all sorts of things that we cannot talk about here and you can imagine it is psychologically damaging you know so we don't want that so we are very aggressive with painkillers we give them painkillers we go as high as the zero i mean the opiates if necessary because we just want them to come out of that crisis as soon as possible and so if they're in pain you give them your paracetamol over the time the doctors would have taught you how to uh, graduate the pain uh, medication so that with things common things like paracetamol ibuprofen then we start going to things like df one hits and sometimes you have to get to the hospital for the morphines and the pentasocin we don't just want the children to be in pain because it's this very very psychologically damaging for them so you must take them to the hospital and we can treat that so some children uh with all these precautions they actually live relatively healthy life and they're fine and they don't have crisis often but some children they have crisis so often and that's just a phenotype thing and sometimes we are not always certain why some people and some people are so healthy then they have just one major uh crisis maybe a stroke and it's, it, it just goes downhill from that but majority of our children with sickle cell anemia uh sickle cell disease they are fine as long as they're taking all the precautions that we've talked about you know now and uh so you have to just members always go to the hospitals on time and and you know you know take good care of them now let's talk about prevention um uh of of sickle cell or just let's talk about in terms of how do we reduce chances of people having sickle cell um like you said it's a genetic condition it's so it's the most important thing is Everybody should know their genotype. When I was doing my undergraduate um, thesis, I uh, that's what I did. I went to the University of Lagos and I screened the, the, the students of the Faculty of Engineering about how many of them knew their genotype, how many of them would take a decision about marriage based on their genotype, and if they're already in committed relationship, what would they do? Another, it was quite very interesting uh, finding that I made. So lots of people don't know their genotype, and a lot of people are not going to... Um, make changes because of the genotype so i found out that though the churches are trying to come in and say oh before you we we, we do the marriage you should go and do your genotype i think it's too late because people are already invested in that relationship you know they love each other they've gone too far they've been cutting for six months they've been cutting for two years and then last minute, just before the wedding day, you want to do a genotype and you want to scatter everything. So I always encourage people, know your genotype, even long before marriage is on the table. And then before you get into any relationship, if you, are, if you have a sickle cell trait, then you should always ask your partner's genotype. And it's not enough to ask. You may want to go and confirm it because I have seen a lot of people that will say, we asked them and they told me they are AA. And then lo and behold, we have a child who has sickle cell anemia and then how did it happen? Then we send everybody back again for the genotype test and lo and behold, somebody is AS and they think they are AA. So because of that uh, inconsistency in Nigerian laboratory, some of our labs, I'm always like, 
you may want to cross check again if it's so important to you you may want to cross check it again now just to end on and i want to handle the positive notes there are lots of researches going on and there are lots of breakthroughs in science in medicine as regards to sickle cell anemia for example there's bone marrow transplantation as uh, uh and stem cell transplantation those have been proven you know to work you know um but people think oh it, but it's not something so easy as well just like any transplantation there are lots of complications and sometimes it makes things go wrong you know so um so there are people that use the like if you're having another baby with aa they can take the a stem cell of the other child and use it to transmit the brother and they can actually cure uh, sickle cell anemia that way and all that but the challenge is that that procedure is so expensive itself it's not readily available it is fraught with a lot of complications so it is not something we do like everyday thing though it's available even in nigeria it's available it's available in us as well in many countries but it's not a everyday kind of treatment which has its own challenges of course we are looking forward to the era of gene therapy which is almost here with us now and hopefully we'll get finally definitely get a cure to the sickle cell uh, disease but that is still in the research portfolio for now and we don't see have any definite uh, uh, curative uh, management for sickle cell disease. So in the interim, I think the most important thing we can still do is to try and reduce uh, as much as possible the chances of having children with sickle cell anemia. Because uh, if you have managed those children, or if, or if you've worked with families, uh, you will notice that it can be quite challenging luckily some people don't have a lot of issues uh but some people can have a lot uh some people can have some issues um and for i've seen children like i've seen families where they have all three or four children having sickle cell anemia and then they come into the hospital every week you can imagine how psychologically distressing that is for the mother and the parents and pain is not something like now there's another hot thing i've not talked about when um for some people can also do what we call prenatal diagnosis so some will decide that for each pregnancy you can actually decide you can check uh before the pregnancy has gone far to decide whether you want to keep the baby or not so you can check the genotype and if you think it's an excess baby you can decide to do a um termination of the pregnancy so these are medical uh acceptable reason to terminate pregnancies but then a lot of nigerians our religious belief and uh, uh, cultural beliefs is against abortion. So many parents don't want to terminate pregnancies. Uh, IVF is another option which you have to now select the embryo that is not sick, that does not have sickle cell disease and all that. But then there are lots of ethical issues around this as well. But prenatal diagnosis is available in Nigeria as well. In Sickle Cell Foundation, you can have access to it. So if you want to go through that, roots if you have already um you already as a uh, 
parents and you want to be sure whether your baby is going to be assessed or not, you, I just want to let you know that that for services is available. Of course, it has its own risk because there's always a risk of the baby, um, uh, you know, if you if you do like all those coronal amniocentesis uh, 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 or coronal coronic virus sampling, those are the name of those procedures to check the genotype of the child. There's a chance that pregnancy can be lost or miscarried in the process, but majority of them will be fine. But with that facility is available in Nigeria. Another thing that is available in Nigeria is genetic counseling. So you can also go for genetic counseling. Uh, for those who have the sickle cell traits and you or those who have the sickle cell disease themselves before they get married and all that they can actually also always go for genetic counseling that services uh, are also available under the sickle cell foundation in nigeria the sickle cell foundation is opposite the lagos university chain hospital and i know i know they have branches all over the country so you can always check on their website or you can go to sickle cell club for you know, to know about all those information, about all those services that are available within the country. But the most important thing is as much as possible to avoid uh, the scenario in the first um, instance. All right, so I think that is all about sickle cell and what I've been doing for the past few minutes is to shine light on sickle cell anemia. I have a few questions that people have asked, especially those who have uh, listened. Somebody is asking, can genotype change? Okay, so um, this is a popular thing in Nigeria, especially with the Pentecostal Christians. Uh, people pray and genotype change. So yes, genotype can change from medical perspective. It can change through bone marrow transplantation and through um, gen genetic therapy through gene therapy, that's the only way we uh, medical people know that genotype can change. But I know people who have given testimonies about the genotype changing. Yeah, I know we believe in miracles uh, and there's nothing God cannot do. Yes. And uh, now somebody is asking about neonatal uh, screening that because there's neonatal screening, does it mean it is okay? for those with sickle cell traits to get married. Now, the fact that we can do screening, even prenatal diagnosis, you, are, you still need to ask yourself, are you happy? Are you comfortable terminating a pregnancy that is SS? Because that is another moral, ethical, spiritual dilemma for many parents. So a lot of parents actually do the prenatal, they, they know they can do prenatal diagnosis, but they also don't want to terminate the pregnancy. You know, we're still a very strong culture that don't believe so much in abortion and all that. So, um, so a lot of parents still don't want to terminate the baby, you know, so it's, so you have to be conscious of that, that uh, it is something you are happy to go through. So if you're not happy to go through it, then it may be much worthwhile to let the partner go rather than, you know, having to face uh, the dilemma. Okay. Now I have another question here from Mercy said, does crisis determine how accurate the sickle cell anemia is for the individual? Now, I, I'm not really sure what this question is, uh, but I think what she's asking is about the severity of sickle cell anemia. And like I said, right at the beginning of the program, 
it's a it's a spectrum thing. So I've seen people who, like I said, that have sickle cell anemia. They've never been sick. I mean, we've had, we have a 90-year-old, I think, in Nigeria. I think the oldest person in Nigeria with sickle cell anemia is 90. Uh, so there are people that really live long. There are people that are very healthy, even having sickle cell uh, uh, disease. So we have that one spectrum. But I also have people that have lost friends and children that have managed who have sickle cell anemia. And I'm sure we know some of them as well in Nigeria, like celebrities. So... Um, yeah, so we have it's a spectrum, and you never know who is going to be the LD, who is going to grow to 90, or the one who is going to have so much crisis and who is going to pass on young. So it, it's a spectrum. So that's why, uh, again, this is actually what brings all the more medical <laughs> ethical dilemma for us when it comes to telling us about sickle cell um, management and prevention and all that. Um, Somebody's asking whether this bone marrow transplant can correct the sickle cell shape or change the genotype. Yes, I've answered that earlier. So when they go through the bone marrow transplantation and it is very successful, yes, the gene is is, is completely changed. Because what, we're, what has happened is that we've kind of uh, gone into where the production of the red blood cells is happening from, and we've put in a new kind of cells inside it, the stem cells or the bone marrow cells, so that when they are now producing new red cells, they are going to produce those with the normal hemoglobin A and not the S hemoglobin. So if it is successful, yes, but like remember bone marrow transplants, when 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 you're having transplant, what they normally do is that they kill all your own red cells, they kill all your own uh the the, the 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 person's natural uh production you know they killed everything and then they now introduce a new one open the new one we take and then and in the process while you're having the new one introduced you don't have infection because at that time you are completely unprotected you are completely you know immunity zero so that's the challenge with transplantation your immunity has to be kind of Brought down low so that it doesn't fight the new thing that is being introduced, and then the new one goes in. And hopefully, if it's a successful procedure, then they will start producing the red blood cells that now has the A hemoglobin inside. So, which is what is happening. So that procedure is available, and because of that procedure, some children have had their genotype changed from SIS to AA, so it's possible. And we are looking forward to even going beyond the bone marrow now to the gene itself <laughs> and correcting it and see whether then it will now uh, change everything. But again, like I said, that's still research. All right, I think I'm just going to be rounding off at this point. So for those who are joining, thank you so much for joining us. We've been talking about sickle cell disease. We talk about sickle cell anemia. Um, knowing that sickle cell disease is the most common genetic condition in Africa, in Nigeria. So it is something we all should know about. And every June 19, we celebrate the sickle cell awareness day because we want everybody to be aware of it and the main thing how the last message the take-home message i'll leave with us as parents is to know our genotype and let your children genotype be known as well and if you have any of the x in your hemoglobin uh any of the x gene the x hemoglobin then you really need to be aware of the risk and for such children it is best if they don't 
uh, marry somebody else who has the S chain as well. And the earlier they know, before the relationship goes for the better. And for those who are already our sickle cell warrior, there's still a lot of support for them as well. Please ensure we register all our children who have sickle cell anemia or sickle cell disease in a sickle cell clinic to be followed up by the pediatricians, you know, regularly. Let's ensure they drink lots of water. Let's ensure they take the folic acid daily. Let's ensure they, they are protected against malaria by taking palutrin. And hopefully we are going to have the malaria vaccine soon. And also they need to be protected against infection. Let's make sure they take the pneumococcal vaccine and um, oh, just take eat well, you know, take multivitamins, eat fruit, veggies, just live elder lifestyle and we are seeing lots of our sickle cell warriors living living hard to eight age and of course if they are sick for any reason let us not waste time let's take them to the hospital as soon as possible so thank you so much for joining me today and i look forward to seeing you again next week i just have one announcement on saturday i'm going to do um, a, a webinar for mothers on frequently asked questions from nursing mothers, for first-time mothers, or even old moms, but there are so many questions we all ask about the health of our babies. So this is going to be a webinar, and you can, it is free webinar, it's free registration by 7 p.m. on Saturday, the 25th of June, 2022. If you check on our Facebook pages or um, Instagram, YouTube, uh, uh, Twitter, and uh, you can see the link to register for the webinar. I look forward to seeing you at the webinar. All right. So thank you so much, everyone. And looking forward to seeing you again next week when we'll be having another fresh episode of ATP Hour. And we'll be talking about another important topic as it relates to the health of our children. If you have any questions, feel free to post your questions uh, to our Facebook groups. You can check them on Facebook. We answer questions Mondays to Saturdays. And you can actually email me if there's any topic you think we should talk about on ATP Hour that you really like to know. Send me us an email at drgbemisala at axtpediatricians.com. And remember, please share the video. Also, follow me on uh on my podcast, Ask Dr. Bemi ATP, and you can actually listen and can watch this program at the same time. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye.